The Family and Community Health Unit was designed to improve the overall health and wellness of individuals, families, and communities. Our purpose is connecting with the community and helping integrate sustainable practices in everyday life. We educate on a broad range of topics so that we can help with whatever hits you at the home front. Hey there, and welcome to the home front. This week, we are talking about container gardening, and this is honestly my favorite topic. I think I'm starting to say that every episode, but for real, container gardening is one of my most favorite classes to teach. It's funny, too. I used to teach several of these um, like workshops and classes um, pre-pandemic, and container gardening was popular, and it was a thing. Um, supplies were readily available. But something about the pandemic kind of triggered this um, need to want to be self-sufficient in this kind of homestead era. Um, And this kind of brought a resurgence to all things um, gardening and providing in your own home, which falls in line with perfect the things that we have to talk about today. Um, There's a lot to this. It is one of my most favorite topics. I am going to try to keep this short, sweet, and simple. Um, Otherwise, I would talk to you all day long and go off on little tangents about all the details wrapped up in container gardening, um, from plants to containers to logistics. But we're going to stick to clean and simple for today's podcast. And who knows, maybe we'll do an episode two on this. Okay, we're going to dive right into this and basically just talk about the benefits first of container gardening. If you are on the fence or kind of just needing to wrap your mind around it, you've been thinking about gardening or you need to change up the way you're gardening, let's visit about container gardening. So if you have ever tried to plant or put in a garden anywhere in the Texas Panhandle, you are probably already a fan of container gardening because working with the soil up here is very difficult, very temperamental. Um, There's lots of different soil evaluations here locally. We could have a really clay loam. It's going to make it difficult for water to drain. You could be in a very sandy area that is completely um, depleted of nutrients um, and, and just difficult to work with. Weeds are always a huge issue. Rocks. Um, some of us have lots and, and plots that are just filled with um, different types of rocks and mineral deposits that make it very, very tough to get any depth to plant in your garden. So for that reason, container gardening is very appealing because um, essentially you're working with a pot above ground or a bin above ground or some sort of container above ground. And so there's lots of flexibility with that. So you can kind of adapt your gardening to fit your needs based upon size. And you no longer need this very dedicated, you know, 10 by 10 or whatever it may be plot of land. You can kind of have, um, you know, some of us want to make it this big organized thing. And and that's great. And there's some value to that. Uh, But really, if you are within city limits and you have a front porch and a back porch or, you know, you have dogs maybe in the backyard or other pets um, and you're kind of limited to maybe like a side area, Honestly, um, there are water hookups readily available on um, sides and ends of most houses. So even that side alleyway, when we used to live in town for a brief stint, um, the side of our house kind of by the air conditioning and those kinds of things, that's where we chose to put some of our containers. Um, It was my first time ever. I was in my late 20s. I'd never lived in a city before. Um, I had dogs in the backyard and I thought, well, where do you put a garden when you live in town? Um, You put it by the air conditioner evidently. Uh, But it was perfect because I got some sunlight. I got some afternoon shade. uh, My dogs weren't going to mess with it. I had quick access to the water hose. Um, It didn't mess or alter with um, the curb appeal of our house or anything like that. So um, you have lots of flexibility. Um, You can break up where your um, items are. And even with that adaptability comes the ability to move your pots. And and we're going to get into that some more as we go through this episode. Um, But my poor sweet husband, 
bless his heart, he knows uh, me and my container gardening habits. Uh, Whenever there's an alert for severe weather, it's kind of this thing that everybody jumps up from the couch. You know, we get the dogs in and we put the container gardening uh, supplies and and all the pots in the shop. So he kind of knows the drill. But that's the beauty of container gardening. In the past, when we had in-ground gardens, we would get hailed out or wind whipped or just all these severe weather issues that we deal with, especially here in the panhandle. I mean, wind. I don't even need to finish that sentence. Just wind, period. So being able to kind of tug and move the pots in on the porch or even completely pick them up and move them in a shop. Sometimes I would even uh, keep them on a wagon. Maybe it was a cute decorative wagon, but it was dual purpose because it would roll for me. Um, Things like that are perfect. And that's what makes container gardening so ideal. It can be low cost and cost effective. Um, I will say, as we talked about container gardening and and really everything homestead oriented or self-sufficiency oriented kind of blew up after the pandemic. Um, and now we're seeing an inflation in, in consumer goods across the board. Um, but really those supplies got a little more expensive. Um, and so that's where I talk about there is a simple way and there is a bougie side to container gardening, if you will. And we're going to kind of walk that middle ground um, because you no longer are limited to um, maybe big box lawn and garden stores. Even if you're in a rural area, our dollar stores and those kinds of Um, businesses are now carrying lines that cater towards container gardening. And so we're going to dive into some consumer aspects of putting together a container garden and figuring out what works best for you, but it definitely can be cost effective. And I'll say this too, there's just about no way to container gardening. And I think that's why I like it so much. Um, I grew up always watching my great-grandparents And my grandparents and my parents put together this great, big, huge garden. And I mean, we're hoeing devil's claws for hours walking the rows um, and just putting up harvest abundantly. And it's kind of a daunting task. And so some people, when they think about gardening, it is overwhelming. They think about how much time, you know, maybe they have childhood trauma from weeding, um, Container gardening helps with that. So we're not having an influx of the weeds. Uh, Maybe we're getting it up off the ground. So um, maybe normal pests that we dealt with, like rabbits or something, are no longer having access to our ground level plants. So there's a true benefit to being container gardening savvy. And honestly, that helps with being successful in gardening. I also think it's easy to point out too, and we forget this part, container gardening allows you to maybe start sooner or start later, um, and then you can end later as well. Uh, For us, we have a horticulture showcase at our Tri-State Fair, which is not until, you know, the very end of summer approaching fall. And by that time, some people who were in ground, um, goodness, if they survived all severe storm weather and and the heat, the absolute number of 100 degree degree days we have uh, can be overwhelming for those plants. And so um, sometimes you're just barely kind of inching and crippling your way into the end of harvest. Um, But container gardening allows you to kind of have that freedom of flexibility of maybe you started indoors, uh, maybe you kind of nurtured and you were able to move um, your container around. So Um, All that to say, there are true benefits to container gardening. If you hadn't considered it before, let's talk about considering it now. So things that we're going to talk about in this episode are um, kind of planning and placing um, your containers and picking out your containers. There's a method, there's a science, there's some education to this, and we're going to dive into it. Um, And then we're briefly going to touch on um, kind of how to plant and what we're looking for and how to get true um, growth and success out of your garden because we don't want to do this for nothing and not end up with a successful result. 
Okay, so before we dive into the actual selection of our containers, we're going to talk a little bit about just general parameters. So obviously size of container is a thing. Um, and this is also becoming daunting because as social media and uh, other outlets kind of explode with resources for you, um, it can seem overwhelming that some people you know, are spending lots of money um, at big box stores, maybe even Walmart at these um, very fancy, very efficient raised beds. And maybe they're truly, truly raised like up on legs. Um, and I think that there is a market and a time and a place for those. Um, for instance, my grandma, that is so ideal for her because I'm, I'm not going to expect her to bend over to a low pot and garden out of that. However, you absolutely can. Um, you can garden out of just about anything. When you see old mineral tubs um, from from your farmers and ranchers, those are perfect. If you have, um, you know, old um, planters laying around, if you have some scrap wood laying around and you want to um, kind of square it up and build yourself a bed, it doesn't have to have legs. Um, another thing I like around this time of year is garage sale season. If you know me, you know I live for garage sale season. Um, and a lot of times people will sell their leftover pots um, super cheap. So something to look out for. Um, but keeping in mind size. So maybe we don't need those great big on leg containers and bins. I'm calling them bins, not even containers because they're just that massive. Um, and that's that's great and it serves a place and maybe you're going to do your whole entire garden just within that one bin so maybe you're going to have six to eight plants in that one bin and that's great you can also have single plant pots if you will and so if you're planting something like herbs you can get away with significantly smaller containers whereas if you were planting um, large tomato plants and other things like that you're gonna want um, a larger pot for sure um, keeping in mind drainage, um, I I really love the fad of kind of um, making things that were old usable again. Um, my husband calls that hoarding, so apparently there's a name attached to that. I think it's just paying homage to um, kind of our roots and um, not throwing anything away. I guess I really can't talk myself out of the whole hoarding um, title. So uh, I think it's fun to reuse and repurpose um, different things, old canisters, um, and turn them into containers for even just flowers. So I think that's fun. But if it doesn't already have a drainage system in it, you're going to need something. So don't stress and think you can't use it. Just find a way to safely drill a hole in the bottom of it. Um, or maybe even a couple of holes, really. Um, so a good rule of thumb is if your container or pot is about a gallon, you're going to need a half inch of a drainage hole. So whether that's one hole or um, kind of, you know, four or five, maybe even six, that would equate to half an inch of drainage. Um, and that's that's really key for plants because if you just have a pot and there's no drainage, um, you're essentially just, you know, have a bathtub <laughs> for your plants to bathe in. And, and plants love oxygen. I mean, yes, they want to be watered, but they will rot in that much water. So drainage is key. Um, and also when you're reusing or recycling or trying to think outside the box for um, your pots or containers, especially if you're going to plant um, vegetables and things for um, consumption, I would caution and make sure that you know that that tub container has never held um, toxic products before. Um, so, you know, sometimes you can find like um, half of a 55-gallon drum, um, and those can be great, but just be sure of what products were held in that um, because those have a tendency to kind of leach and get into um, your vegetables. We're also going to try to avoid really cheap plastics, so things that for sure were not meant um, to hold plants, just because 
around here especially it's not going to hold up to the heat and we're going to dive into plastic some more um, but they're really really cheap like maybe some like old school cheap tupperware um, that's really just going to warp um, and and crack and not hold water at all um, i'd hate for you to put your time and energy into getting the soil right and planting and then um, to have a fail mid-season Okay, AgriLife Extension is really good about putting out publications um, to assist with gardening. Um, here in our county, we have um, an entire division uh, dedicated to horticulture, so extremely handy. Lots and lots of very good information. We have several programs that are geared towards gardening um, for different reasons. They might be horticulture based, they might be nutrition based, um, or it might just be your everyday consumer, farmer, education. Um, lots of really good resources. And one I like in particular um, talks about container selection. And they talk about um, kind of the size ratio of container you're going to need for what you're planning. Uh, and specifically, they have a publication for vegetable gardening. So, for instance, if you were going to plant things like lettuce, spinach, um, radishes, you're going to need um, a container that it's going to give you a gallon to two gallons of room. Um, things like carrots, uh, so like a root vegetable, tomatoes, um, those are going to need uh, three to five gallons. Um, some other varieties of tomatoes. Um, and eggplants and like cucumbers and squash that are really um, flourishing vine um, plants or, or plants that are going to um, grow quite a bit um, and then bear fruit um, or vegetables obviously are going to be more of your five to ten gallon containers um, and then really you can do some small containers for things like herbs and so there's kind of a method to your selection there um, and that covers vegetables um, specifically but don't limit yourself when thinking about what you can put into a container uh, for instance I have several trees in a container <laughs> I know that sounds crazy um, but when I tell y'all I love planting in containers I love container gardening um, it's it's an addiction really but there's no limit and that's what makes it so fun um, so obviously I'm not going to have huge mature trees um, but small um, I even have some uh, junipers and some different kind of more of like the decorative porch um, variety of trees and so as we're talking about selecting and being smart about where you place your containers and what you put in them think too about um, where you would put them around your house. For instance, I have these fairly tall junipers um, that I knew I wanted to put in um, containers. And I had these really, really pretty fluted containers um, that were just gorgeous. And it to me, it just screamed like curb appeal, front porch. I was so excited. Um, and so I, I planted them. I put them on either side of my front door, um, right on the porch. Uh, and then we just had a very average Texas panhandle day. Um, and about the sixth time I went out to my porch to pick them up from the wind knocking them over I thought what have I done <laughs> I should move these and put them in a different location and so um, you not only want to pick the right container as far as size ratio you know is this a perennial that's gonna be really root bound and need a great big container or is this um, you know a little annual or an herb that can suffice with a smaller container you know, maybe if I wouldn't have had those fluted containers um, or pots, they would have kind of hunkered down to the ground a little bit better. Also, those junipers were fairly tall, even though they were slender. They're very tall and just caught wind very easily. Um, so being mindful of where around your landscape, where around your buildings, you know, are they going to get some afternoon shade? Are they going to get some um, east winds? Um, being just mindful of where you're placing these containers. Okay, that kind of lays out some groundwork. Um, and I hope at this point, you're kind of thinking, you know what, I might want to get into container gardening. Uh, and if so, 
man, do I have some fun information for you. This is where I think it gets really fun too, um, to kind of talk about the consumer end of it, because I feel like this is the part that no one really talks about, uh, but makes such a big difference when you're looking at the cost and the planning of your container gardening. And so we're going to dive into the types of containers that you might could um, plant in. So first off, I feel like we have to start with terracotta. That's, um, I feel like the mainstays, the baseline of all pots and all containers. Um, And terracotta has its place. It's been around forever. It's not going anywhere. It has been a tried and true. um, and, And it definitely has its place. And some people love the look and aesthetic. I don't love the look and aesthetic so much as, um... I like the accessibility. I like the price tag of terracotta, but um, this is where we got to start thinking and putting some education with it because while terracotta is cost effective, okay, there's probably a reason for that. So it can be really, really lightweight, which uh, in the Texas panhandle uh, means it could very easily blow over depending upon what's um, planted in it. So being very mindful um, of that. Um, Not only that, but terracotta is very porous. Um, And so around here, especially, we have really hard water, really um, mineral dense water. And so um, over time, and you've probably seen this, over time, um, as water kind of, um, you know, runs out of your soil and out of the polymers and Um, gets absorbed by terracotta instead of just draining out it will get absorbed um, and you'll start to see like white calcification or like mineral deposits on the um, outside or or especially around the bottom of your terracotta plant Um, and so that's unfortunate because um, now your soil and your plant is competing with your pot to absorb that moisture Now, some people will say, but that keeps my soil um, and therefore my roots cool. And and yes, I can see that logic, but not for very long. Terracotta dries out, partly because it's so porous. It dries out really, really easily. So that is a type of container that you are probably going to have to water more frequently than others. Um, The other thing I will say about terracotta that is hard here in the panhandle is that our temperature fluctuates quite a bit. We have um, cold, cold winters, and we have hot, hot summers. And so um, terracotta is not high fired. um, And so uh, it's not sealed as great as other containers might be. And so with that temperature fluctuation, you're maybe only going to get two to three really good seasons out of it, and it's it's going to crack and break. And if you've ever tried to move terracotta plants, um, or pots, I should say, um, there's a very high likelihood that once they're bogged down and heavy with soil and plants, that they're going to crack and break as well. And that's totally disappointing, especially when part of the reason to container garden is to have that flexibility of moving things around to avoid storms. Um, if you're going to break it when you move it, then that's makes it more permanent. Um, and we're kind of losing that benefit. So, um, all that to say, uh, terracotta is a good cost-effective option. Um, it's going to dry out quickly. Now you can utilize saucers, um, with your pot and I would highly encourage a saucer at all times um however saucers are um they're kind of came this saying that you would just water I see videos like this on social media just water the saucer and you're never actually watering the plant and they're like you'll know when you need to water your plant because the saucer will be empty and you just refill the saucer mm-hmm. false that I, that riles me up false <laughs> um you're gonna water your plants from the top give them nutrients from the top down um let the let that water soak in um and really hit all of the roots all of the soil keep that soil moist 
in the extreme heat, which we have here in the panhandle, plants tend to go in a little bit of a conservative mode. They'll kind of shut down just a little bit in extreme heat um, to kind of try to conserve what it has going on, try to conserve um, nutrients and energy. And so um, if it starts to get really hot and dried out, um, some of the um, receptors throughout the root system will start to close up and, and no longer wick up moisture. So that's why we want to water the actual plant um, from the top down. Let those um, root systems stay moist. Let your soil stay moist um, and treat that saucer as um, kind of a, an emergency reserve. Um, maybe you accidentally, you were out of town and you missed a day of watering. That's going to be what that saucer serves a purpose for, um, not solely watering from there. Okay, the next container we're going to talk about is plastic. Now, I do like plastic, and actually, we use plastic quite a bit um, at our household um, because my dad, very graciously, shout out to my parents, um, saves every mineral tub when they're done with them. Uh, back at my parents' homestead, they save them for us um, and bring them out to us so that we can kind of replace our inventory um, and so we actually use plastic quite a bit, um, especially that way if you're getting them from people. Um, plastic tends to be cost effective. Uh, even some um, different types of containers or bins that you might get um, at a thrift store like a, or a dollar store can be really cost effective. Sometimes they have those great big, um, you know, five-gallon buckets that have kind of the white roped handles uh, on either side. Those make awesome containers. Um, plastic holds water really well. Um, it's obviously not porous like terracotta, so it's not going to compete um, pulling water out of your soil. Um, the only drawback to plastic is that you're only going to get about two to three years out of a plastic container just because of the sun exposure and the heat damage that um, the Texas Panhandle will take on a container. And so um, after those two to three years, you're going to end up um, kind of with that chipping, brittle plastic situation, uh, and it's not going to hold up super, super well. Um, and so plastic has its place. Um, just there's no longevity to plastic. And so um, as long as you're planting annuals um, or you're re-switching up and configuring what you're doing every year, that's great. If you are trying to plant um, some really um, long-term perennials um, and make some permanent fixtures around your property, uh, maybe with uh, some trees or shrubs or things that you want um, to last you year-round for several years, plastic probably isn't going to be the option uh, you want to go with. And so I feel like that's really similar to this next one we're going to talk about, which is wood. Um, and that one's interesting uh, because really I feel like at stores you're only seeing wood uh, maybe around succulents, um, which I find that very interesting. Um but a lot of times we find wood in the people like me who are trying to repurpose things um, from around their house or from family members. Uh, and so, for instance, um, out of my parents' old barn, I, I have one of those old um, just handled um, toolboxes. You know, it doesn't really have a lid. It's kind of just this wooden A-frame with a handle. Um, I have one of those out of my parents' barn um, and wanted to use it, wanted to repurpose it. Um, and so I plant flowers in it. So it gives me a way to kind of um, reminisce um, and enjoy it. Uh, the only problem is wood rots. Okay, so you're not getting a true shelf life out of wood containers. Um, only a few years. So again, not something I would plant a tree or a shrub or anything long term in. Okay, so something I want to point out here too, um, a lot of people I'm seeing on social media are um, utilizing um, different sealants inside containers that are like plastic or wood specifically, that are maybe porous and aren't going to last. Um, you may have seen um, like flex seal or other kinds of sealants that people make for, you know, 
truck bed liners and boats and and different things um, to kind of seal up a container. Um, While I haven't tried that, I mean, that sounds like a great idea if you just had that. The part I want to kind of point out and caution against is um, if you are planting flowers or shrubs or something like that, go for it all day long. Try it. I'm curious to know how it works. Uh, If you are planting a vegetable garden or something for consumption, mm, I would not... I would not utilize um, a sealant like that uh, unless it is very specifically labeled food grade, food safe uh, for vegetable gardening and things like that. So I'm not seeing a lot that are. And so um, when we're getting crafty, just kind of play within some parameters, especially if you're going to be eating the contents of your plants. Okay, kind of in the same grouping, we're going to talk about metal containers. Um, And this is probably my second most popular uh, container around our house um, because I am a sucker for the old galvanized look. And so um, anytime I see anything that's kind of old and galvanized, I'm like, oh, for the patio. And my husband is like, oh my gosh, if we drag home one more thing for this patio. Uh, so I like metal containers. Um, oftentimes they do not already have drainage built into them. And so, um, and that can be harder to uh, to to get drainage in there just DIY. Plastic is pretty easy to punch a hole in. Um, metal, there's a good chance I'm, um, you know, tapping in my husband to come do that for me. So um, really making sure you get a good drainage hole or a good drainage system. Uh, remember, we're kind of at the, for every gallon of a container it is, you're going to want a half inch Uh, drainage hole and so you're gonna um, adjust either up or down based on the size of your container Um, the other thing that I worry or caution maybe just a little bit with metal is sometimes you'll get um, a little oxidation or chemical reaction um, off of the metal and so I would just be very mindful of what that metal container came from what was in it originally Um, And again, if you're unsure, don't know, um, or it's doing some oxidizing, doing something funny, let's let's not put our vegetables in that. Let's put pretty flowers, um, succulents, different things. Um, And again, be mindful that metal fluctuates. And we know that like if something had been sitting out in the sun and we pick it up, it's going to be hot to the touch. Um, And so that's going to be the barrier right up against our root system. It's going to dry our soil out. It's going to heat up the plant, um, and it, it, yeah, that plant might not thrive. Um, so if you can put it in shade and things like that and kind of combat that, that's perfectly fine. I would just be really aware that um, metal has a high um, heat tendency. So we've got to be super aware of that. The last container we're going to talk about is ceramic. Um, arguably the most popular container I love ceramic. Um, A drawback, possibly, is cost. This is probably going to be your expensive um, option. But there's probably a reason to that. If you kind of did a cost breakdown of all these versus how long of a a life expectancy you're going to get, this might actually be the most economical. So, um, again, there's lots of variation I dare say there's no wrong way to container garden. So just keep that in mind as we're going through these. Um, pick what's best for you. So ceramic can be heavy. I feel like that's a downside in some regards. I think about, um, you know, my grandma trying to move those pots, especially if we're saying that the benefit is uh, to be able to move out of Uh, shade or sun or severe storms um, you're probably not moving a ceramic pot that's full of soil very easily Um, on the flip side of that having some weight is a good thing in the panhandle when you're combating the wind Um, so just kind of playing that um, to fit your scenario is helpful Um, ceramic is also uh, a really high fired um, material. And so it's not going to absorb, compete, um, with taking moisture away from your soil and your plants. Um, with it also being high fired, 
it's going to be pretty darn crack resistant. And so even with the cold, cold winters and the hot, hot summers, your ceramic pots are going to be sustainable. They're going to last you um, years and years and years, and you're going to get some true life and longevity. So when you're looking at planting things um, that are long-term, you know, maybe some shrubs, some different perennials, um, your junipers, things like that, um, that is a good option because uh, you're not going to have to replant every season in those. So they can be heavy and, and somewhat permanent. Um, ceramic containers hold moisture really, really well. They act as a great kind of insulator for your soil. So whereas the rest of these kind of have um, absorbed heat um, or cold and allowed that to really play with your root system and your soil. Ceramic is a really good protector of your root system, um, especially when it comes to um, temperature control uh, and holding moisture. So that kind of rounds out our conversation around what types of containers are we looking for, what do we need, um, and what's the smartest way compared to what we're trying to accomplish, what what are our plant needs? Um, and so we're going to dive into kind of the next side of this that goes a little bit more into uh, maybe some soil prep, um, some overall care for planting, and maybe some planting instructions. So the next important thing is soil prep. And we're going to spend just a little bit talking about that because it's kind of a very fine-tuned system. Uh, you, there is no... I don't feel like there's a perfect kind of soil mix um, or potting mix. Um, that's why I feel like you see so many on the market um, because this is a very tailor-made process um, based on your plant needs, your environment needs, the containers that you have. Uh, are you needing to keep moisture? Are you needing drainage? Are you needing to add nutrients? Are you mixing it with something? How much do you need? What's the cost? Um, so this is kind of an intimidating section and hard to give you a tried and true um, go get this uh, message. Um, that's not what it will be, but I will kind of help break it down for you. So um, you're going to need some gardening soil, some peat moss, and some sand. It's kind of what seems like a really good mixture. Now within that, um, what you're really looking for is kind of this perfect relationship between holding moisture and allowing drainage. And so I'll say this. If you are using container gardening as a method of um, planting because you don't like your soil conditions um, at your property, we're probably not going to want to fill our containers with said soil. Um, even at the bottom, um, if our soil is not great, um, it's just going to be kind of an uphill battle. So um, finding that perfect relationship between um, some soil that will hold moisture and allow for drainage because again our plants like air they need oxygen um, and even sometimes down to the root system if they are just constantly um, muddy and wet that that plant will rot there will be some um, root rot to that um, and those plants are not going to thrive so al allowing it to dry out a little is also key um I think also there are a lot of really good mixes out there that will already contain plant food or um, some polymers mixed in. If not, you might take a glance at some of those and just kind of see what fits your needs. Um, ultimately, a good mix of nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, that's going to be key for a mix. Um, but those polymers are really good too in the Texas Panhandle um, and are oftentimes mixed in already. So um, there's no need to go out and buy more or additional if you're getting a mix that already has some of that in it. So just look and see. Um, but those polymers are really good because they will absorb water uh, really quickly and they'll kind of swell and then they'll slow release. Um, so when you're seeing water start to spill out of a pot fairly quickly, 
that's okay. Um, even though we're having these high temp days, that's okay because those those polymers are going to help kind of add some longevity to that watering system. Um, so I think if you're looking at different um, plant foods um, or mixes to add in, um, mixing all of that in with the potting soil as you're prepping the pot is key. Um, there are some that, um, especially if you have in-ground Um, trees and shrubs and things like that Um, and you might want to help them out Um, there are some that you can sprinkle on the top there are some that need to be mixed within the soil Uh, especially if you see some that are geared towards container gardening specifically and so on all of that I am truly going to encourage you to um, just look and read whatever it is um, that you have available to you and follow um, the manufacturer's instructions on those and that's going to give you um, the best result possible. So a question I get a lot um, at these classes are, um, are we replacing our soil in our pots? And Yes and no. <laughs> um, if it is a small container um, and you're planting an annual in it, um, you're going to want to remove um, after the season and you're going and prepping the next year, you're going to w- want to remove that dead um, plant and all its root system anyway to make room. Um, and then a lot of times that soil is very depleted, very dried out. Um, you're going to want to remove it and go ahead um, and re-soil Uh, that container. Also, if you are um, really expecting, flowers are a little bit easier, but if you're really expecting a fruit bearing um, or a food bearing uh, vegetable plant or something like that, I would also encourage you to change up, add to your soil every single year um, so that um, it's productive. Your gardening season is productive. If, however, you are in a very large container, you maybe have um, a some perennials um, that you're just changing out and mixing up and and you're kind of getting something new or fresh for the year, Um, you're going to want 12 to 18 inches of new potting mix and soil in that container. So um, for those larger pots, 12 to 18 inches. Now, mind you, we're not filling our containers all the way to the brim. You want to give yourself a two to three inch um, kind of lip um, in that container just to allow um, for a little bit of protection um, at the base of your plants, um, to allow an area for water to not immediately spill off when you're watering versus um, pulling up and getting to kind of slowly absorb into the plant. So we're not filling our, our containers to the top anyway. So the next thing we're going to talk about after soil prep is being um, water aware and kind of understanding the needs after you've already kind of broke down your assessment of what container you're going to be in and what those needs might be. um, Then we're going to look at how can we efficiently water. Um, There are lots of different products and things to kind of assist with this. Some of them are geared towards containers. Some of them might be more difficult with containers. Um, So like the traditional drip systems, um, soaker hoses, spray nozzles, things like that that hook up to a very streamlined all-in-one system might be more difficult with containers. Um, I've seen people do it very successfully, um, but there's a lot of planning involved there. Um, And so there's other single use systems that you could um, use to help. Um, One that I've seen that this is our first year trying it out. um, And so far, it's kind of interesting. I don't know that it's a necessity. It's kind of just me experimenting uh, is to take a bottle. um, And so for us, it's a two liter bottle um, based on the size of our container. Um, And so we've drilled some holes um, top to bottom all the way around this two liter bottle. Um, And so we'll not only water the center of the container where the plant is, but we'll also water into that two liter um, bottle so that it kind of stores up water um, and then slowly through those holes um, depletes and pushes water out into the soil as well just because um, some of our watering has been hit and miss as we're maybe away from the house longer than we'd anticipated um, or we have extreme hot days, um, something to just kind of help the longevity uh, and the life of our plant. 
Um, and so watching for things like uh, your leaves turning yellow and stuff like that might be an indication um, of overwatering. Um, how much sunlight is it getting? Does it ever get a chance to dry out? Um, if it's dry to the touch, we're going to want to add some water to that. Um, and even at that, I want to take a second to talk about when you're selecting plants from the store um, or nursery or, or wherever you might be getting your plants from. Be really aware of if the soil has already started to pull away from the container. Um, I would probably leave that plant there at the store. Um, that's a good indication that it has really, really dried out. Um, and that plant is probably not thriving, not getting nutrients. Um, and so you can always add water back to it um, and try to help it out. Um, but that's really something to look for um, as you're watering around your house and kind of avoiding um, that soil pulling apart from your container. That's, that's a sign that you're um, soil has really dried out. Um, sometimes I see those watering globes um, that you can kind of fill up, turn upside down, um, and kind of um, probe into your soil. And, and those are interesting. Um, I have noticed they tend to crack or break easily for me. Um, another thing I've seen people run into, if they are... Um, utilizing some of their own soil some places around here might have a really clay tendency to their soil um, and so once they plug it in it plugs up with the soil um, and has a hard time distributing that water and so um, I feel like that's why you don't see those just kind of take over because uh, they're kind of hit and miss with how successful they are and also think about how much water that globe can hold um, that might be something that is in um, a small flower basket or um, a pretty annual arrangement but if you're trying to um, water a, a shrub that's a perennial that um, has some pretty decent water needs um, that small globe is not going to cut it um, and so just be really mindful and really cognizant. Um, if you're wanting low maintenance, um, there are lots and lots of, of options. Succulents are one that does really well here that, that thrives. Um, and those you can get by. They love heat. Um, they're very, very hardy. Um, they take our temperature fluctuations really, really, really well. Um, and those you can get by with watering once or twice a week. Um, so if you travel a lot or um, not able to water consistently, that's a really good option. So being cognizant of water needs, very important. Um, okay, so when we get to actually planting, we've kind of assessed our containers, we've assessed our soil, we assessed how we're going to water and what approaches to take there. Um, now we're going to talk about actually planting in our containers and, and buckle up because this one gets <laughs> a little controversial, I feel like. Um, because some people this has just been ingrained in um, and, and I I just don't get it. <laughs> I think there's a time and a place for helping with drainage. Um, but but filling a container with rocks for drainage to me um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I've yet to see just this um, someone have naturally this abundance of, gravel <laughs> and I mean maybe you do and that's great um but a lot of times people are, are are checking out with these bags of rocks and I'm like oh man that's just an added expense and that's not going to add nutrients and it's not going to add moisture those rocks don't have the ability to hold on to some moisture keep your um plants cool or or protect roots or, or anything like that and so um when people are adding rocks to their containers I think wow that's going to be a really heavy container. <laughs> and that's kind of the end of that for me. Um, now, there are times where I feel like I get drainage if you have an extremely large pot um, and maybe we can't afford to fill it completely with soil um, or, or our potting mix. I can understand um, doing some different drainage options. Um, for one, you could always just take a smaller plastic pot, turn it upside down, and put it in the bottom. And then, f and you can even drill some drainage holes in that, really. Um, and then put your soil around that. And that's fine and well and good, I, I think. Um, 
people sometimes will use styrofoam, like those packing peanuts. Um, that to me is a headache because the soil and watering all season long is going to become so heavy that styrofoam is just going to compress and then there, there's no drainage really happening. Um, and then you're going to have to, um, change those out because, so we actually tried that several, several years ago. Um, and it holds on to moisture in kind of a weird way that, um, we actually had a container right by the edge of our garden um, and it just smelled really mildewy. And I kept asking my husband, like, what is that? Where is that coming from? Um, and it was all that styrofoam, all those packing peanuts. It kind of just held on to this mildew musk um, that really wasn't appealing. So um, if you're looking to add something for drainage, um, I would encourage uh, that upside down um, plastic bucket or something like that, maybe with some drainage holes. Um, but I wouldn't worry about um, a lot of that. If you can or you're able to fill it with soil um, or, or whatever your potting mix is, that's going to be the best thing. Your drainage holes will serve their purpose. Um, if you have something that maybe has too big of a drainage hole, you can always add some mesh screening, uh, like what you would replace um, for windows and things like that. That material is fairly cheap for a small amount. Um, and so by the time you cut out just enough that's going to fit in your containers or your pots, I feel like that's um, a good way to kind of retain some of that soil if you're um, just really trying to be cognizant of how much soil you're um losing with each watering. Okay, so the flip side to that too, when we're um, planting in a container, um, we are going to um, kind of remove the original uh, real thin plastic container that our purchased plant came from. Um, and so just very gently, we're going to tilt our plant sideways, hold it um kind of the base of the plant uh, in between your thumb and index finger and hold on to the soil mass with the rest of your um, hand and kind of with the other hand shake off that plastic container um, and kind of assess where that plant soil health looks. We always want to make sure we're planting um, a moist uh, plant. Now, not a soggy, not a just watered plant, but a moist, healthy, cool soil mixture, not one that's dry and already in a little bit of a shock mode because um, we want those roots to really adapt and really be open to where they're being transplanted. Um, and so once we shake off that container, we're going to assess. Um, if it's not ready to plant, just go ahead and put that container right back on, water it, give it some sun, give it some light or shade, whatever um, that assessment might be. Um, if it's good to go and good to plant, um, we're going to continue on. We're going to check and see if it's root bound. Um, so at the bottom, if there is just um, uh, an extra or an excess amount of roots um, and no soil towards the very bottom, that can make it really hard for um, that plant to establish in the plot. And so um, we're just going to not go crazy, um, but we're going to remove some of that root bounding. So um, just with your thumb and your index finger, you're going to um, just pinch off some of that root and um, all the way around, just working your way around um, the edge of that plant until you can kind of pull that away and completely detach that. Um, and so then you should be left with a really healthy looking um, group of soil and some roots and you're going to go around um, just with your fingers and kind of uh, massage the plant. That sounds so crazy. My husband thinks I'm crazy, but our plants last and they live and they thrive. So he's he's on board with me now. But um, you'll just kind of massage and kind of loosen up um, either the roots or the soil just a little bit. Um, so that way when you put it in your container, it's going to lend itself to mixing in really well with um, your, your potting mix. <clears throat> so you're not going to have to plant these plants super deep, um, but you want to allow enough space to kind of set your plant in there. You may have to move some soil out of the way um, around the sides, um, but you just want to cover about an inch of um, new potting mix on the top of your plant. Um, and so you want it deep enough to just be able to barely cover it with your new potting mix um, and kind of protect this new plant that you um, are, are transplanting into this pot. 
So if the top is super exposed, um, maybe we want to pull it back out and dig a little little bit deeper uh, and get it covered um, and hope that it will transplant really, really nicely. When you are planting and filling your containers, um, go ahead and take a second to assess um, what you're putting where. Um, it may be that you have one plant per one pot, and so it's a pretty easy um, determination of how you're going to um, plant that or what goes in there. However, if you're kind of mixing things up, especially floral arrangements and things like that, um, there's that tried and true system of thrill, fill, and spill. And so you're going to look for your thriller. Usually has some height or some texture or color or there's some very um, obvious detail about it that catches your eye, grabs your attention, um, and makes you interested and find value in that plant. Um, and so you might put that in the very center of your container or flower pot. Um, I will say, though, if your flower pot is going to be up against a wall or in a corner, go ahead and put your thrill against the very edge because no one's going to see that back. And so then when you move on to fill, you can get the smaller, maybe even annual, even if your thrill is a perennial, you can get maybe your annuals um, just smaller, oftentimes cheaper, and they don't even have to be flowering. They might um, be kale or something that is just going to be vegetation um, to add some different shades of green, different pops of texture, and cover the rest of that. And then the last is spill, so something that maybe drapes over the pot um, and kind of breaks up that line of where plants end and begin um, and kind of just adds um, some value and some lux to the look of your containers. Lastly, we'll talk a few little tips and tricks and different things to think about with your container gardening. Uh, there's lots of fun ideas and fun products and things um, to put in your gardens, um, to put in your containers, um, and things that you can plant. Um, look up extension again has really good publications on things that plant well with one another um so you can maybe even add some marigolds into your vegetable gardens um herbs and flowers go really well together if you're looking at, at attracting bees or butterflies or different insects um take a look at some of those extension publications reach out to your local extension office um, get some information about what plants are hardy in your area be mindful of, um, you know, if I have plants that are um, low maintenance and not going to require a lot of water or a lot of sun, uh, I'm going to want to plant like needed plants with it. Um, so make sure that we're not overwatering one section of the pot um, while we're meeting the other's needs. So when I think of different products, I also um, will throw this out there too. Uh, I got really caught up in my chalkboard phase. Um, I know y'all did too, so don't don't let me think I'm alone. Um, but there are some really cute things you can buy to kind of help label um, your containers or your rows or whatever it is in your garden so you can keep track of, um, you know, this is dill, this is tomatoes, this is this kind of pepper. Um, I will say the uh, chalkboard while it looks great, um, after one good rain, I went back out and thought, yep, so that all washed away and I have no idea what's where. <laughs> um, so be really cognizant to, um, I've even seen the painted rocks. Um, if you have small kiddos who would love to garden with you and play with you and those things are portable and can get moved easily or disrupted by your pets or something like that maybe be cognizant of that um, and so there's some surefire ways to do this even if you just go get painting stir sticks from um your hardware store and you take a sharpie now over time sharpie will run and fade so you know you don't have a huge longevity with that but even if you just take painters um, sticks and um, place in your soil and kind of mark out. Um, there's lots of different things that you can do um, to help mark. Again, there's a very bougie side of container gardening. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, you can assess what your needs are 
um, what what your budget is for this. And I hope that you're able to um, take the information that's in this episode and go and assess and jump into container gardening. Um, and I am so excited for your gardening journey. I hope your um, containers and gardens flourish. Up next this season, we are going to kind of add to this series and talk about preserving your harvests, assessing your gardens, um, canning your garden goods. So lots more to come in the world of gardening. I hope you guys have enjoyed this, found it useful. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. There's going to be more that hits us at the home front. For more information on the topic, check out the show notes for this episode or visit with your local county extension office.